This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, Monday, 5 February, Year of Lord 2024. What a day. What a way to kick off a week. What a way to kick off a month. I'm telling you, the world's on fire right now for good reason. Uh, I want to bring in John Henry Weston, one of the most respected guys in uh, kind of Catholic news throughout the world over at LifeSite News, one of the most revered and respected news sites. John Henry, and I think you signed this. Get our audience, because they're coming after the evangelicals on one hand, and they're coming after the traditional Catholics on the other. And one of the reasons they're saying is that all of us are Christian nationalists, right, which they deem as these domestic threat. And it's now starting to spread throughout the world that this is the, these are the worst people in the world, these Christian nationalists. There was a letter sent last week to the Pope. It's caused a firestorm. Uh, I think you're one of the drafters. Are you certainly one of the signatories? What, it, what is it? What does the letter say? How did it come about? And why is it caused like an international news meltdown? So one of the things going on is right before Christmas, Pope Francis promoted something to the shock of everyone was allowing for the blessing of same sex couples. It was so startling. It was it was insane. It's what Germany had been doing. It's what Belgium had been doing. But everybody thought, oh, the synods are going to put an end to that. It's going to you know, he's going to walk it back. Well, no, Pope Francis himself signs on the document by Cardinal Fernandez, who's now the head of the dicastery for the doctrine of faith, saying you can bless same-sex couples. So huge reaction. In fact, what happens is cardinals who were formerly at the Vatican, in fact, the very one who headed up the same department from which the letter came from, the congregation, then congregation of doctrine and faith, Cardinal Gerhard Müller, he comes out saying, absolutely not, no way. Cardinal Robert Serra, you know, great cardinal from Africa that was looked up to as the head of the Congregation for Divine Worship, also rejects it. So these are totally just retired uh, Vatican sort of department chiefs, if you will. And then all of Africa, all of Africa rejects it. And yet the Pope, uh, in, in a follow-up to that, says he's opposed on it by small ideological groups. There's no small groups. So the letter then was made by a bunch of scholars as well as journalists to write to the Vatican. And it's really, even though it's directed to the Vatican, it says you have to withdraw it. It's actually directed to the bishops. We're aiming for the good bishops of the world to join their brother bishops in Africa to say absolutely no to this. Bishop Strickland just signed on to this. And it's very, very difficult because to understand what it means, they're saying, it is approving the blessing of same-sex couples. At the same time, they're trying to say, oh, we're not blessing the unions. We're still regarding it as sinful. Therefore, we're not going to say this is not marriage. Steve, you remember when they were pulling same-sex marriage over Canada, over America, over all the cities in Europe or the countries in Europe. What did they do? Did they come in with same-sex marriage right away? No, it was all about civil unions. We were being told civil unions so that they won't have marriage. This is couples to get to unions, to get to marriage. And to be honest, I hate to say this, but it's true. 
if you want to be able to interpret what Francis means because it's another ambiguous document, use the hermeneutic of Francis. Use the interpretation of Francis himself. A few years ago, there was a big controversy because Francis was approving of same-sex civil unions. He did it in a book. He did it in a movie. Oh, it was grave controversy. People were trying to say, oh, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Yet the words are there. That he's on video saying it. When he appoints cardinals, who does he appoint? All the pro-homosexualist cardinals in America. Gregory, Supich, um, Tobin, and it just keeps on going. And which priest does he work with most in America? Um, and, and by the way, on the Cardinals, he gets rid of Cardinal Burke um, and appoints Supich and company. But then which priest does he work with most? You know, a, a Father Frank Pavone? No, no, he gets canceled. But Father James Martin, the most homosexual promoting priest in America, him he works with. Not only did he call him to speak at a Vatican conference and appoint him to, as advisor to the Vatican on one of the, on one of the um, pontifical councils, he also meets with him three and four times and answers the questions from his LGBT group that he started. So there is a way of understanding what Pope Francis means. You just look at what Pope Francis does. That is the hermeneutic of how to understand what's going on here. John Henry, help me out here. In the Episcopal Church, when the Archbishop of Canterbury had this big blow up a, a couple of years ago, and particularly in, that's Anglican communion, but it, particularly in North America, the Episcopal Church, the African bishops, once again, are like the conservative rocker Gibraltar about teachings. Now you see in the Catholic Church, what is going on in Africa? They're under assault by the Muslims. They're under assault by everything. How is it that both in the Anglican communion and in the Catholic Church, people are looking for the African bishops to be kind of the, 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 the grounding force here? How did, how did that happen? On the issue of the family, on the protection of the sanctity of marriage, it's the only place on earth that has remained firm. Why? Well, they've got an African culture, of course, but this is one thing I don't like. Pope Francis actually said, well, they're culturally bound, therefore he gave them an escape. And he said, oh, it doesn't, you know, they don't have to do these blessings. Actually wrong. They get the faith. You can't be so it's almost racist to suggest, oh, they're bound by their culture, so they can't get the faith. If they got the faith, then they'd understand that Jesus was wrong and St. Paul was wrong. And really, homosexuality is just fine and good. And really what they meant is that two people who love each other and just get together has nothing to do with procreation. Wrong. The bishops of Africa get it. Yes, their culture helps, and it helps to have a culture that's still pro-marriage so that 95, 98% of the congregants in your parish are not going to tolerate you going offside and having a boyfriend as a priest or or approving of or blessing of same-sex unions. So that is where it has stayed strong. Um, and the Anglicans have tried now for 30 years to get their bishops to try and approve same-sex blessings and homosexual blessings and homosexual marriages. It's not going. And it's not going to work either with the Catholic bishops. It was interesting too. On um, It was actually January of last year. Um, the Pope suggested that the African bishops need to convert in the area of these anti-sodomy laws and, and rules that they have in Africa. They're not doing it, though. John Henry, uh, traditional Catholics, obviously the FBI, you've had the, the roll-up of, of people praying at, uh, at, at abortion centers. You had the kicking down the doors of traditional Catholics. You had the FBI memo that the Latin mass groups, which my, it was about to perish my 
parents uh, helped start back in the late 70s mm-hmm. for uh, for the tridentine um the tridentine service um it, they're they're breeding ground for domestic terrorists is this letter is this the opening salvo you think on a broader uh discussion within the church about the direction of the church that actually could lead to a schism I would hope that this would be about a broader discussion in the church. The schism will be, and it's almost going on now, but it's not by traditional Catholics. Who's going into schism is Pope Francis himself, because he's teaching a different doctrine. Remember what the scriptures say about the teaching of the church. Paul writes, St. Paul, even if I or an angel from heaven were to come and preach a different gospel, let him be anathema. And that's the difficulty. We have six documents, official documents in the church right now that seem to be heretical. You had scholars, bishops, all appeal to Pope Francis. Please, please, please don't do this. Don't go down here. Don't do the Pachamama. Don't do the the all religions are equal dance that he's been doing. Yet no one seems to have been able to get to him. It's also because there's not a strong united voice. The best of bishops say, you know, well, we have to try and interpret it in a way that they have to do mental gymnastics to do to do that. And yet it's very clear. If you look at Francis, at his example, his hermeneutic, if you will, the whole wide world understands what this is. That's why you have, you know, Newsweek, everybody praising Francis for this great move. And yet all the bishops, the good bishops in America and elsewhere who are trying not to say anything are saying, nope, nothing to see here. It's still all Catholic teaching. It's just fine. Yet it says, the document says, it's about the blessing of same-sex couples. And then what does that mean? Well, it's pretty obvious when you look at Francis what he means. John Henry uh, Weston, where can people follow you? This is an exploding story with uh, global implications and massive implications in the United States because many of the leaders of this are from this country. Where do people go to follow this? Direct to lifesitenews.com, L-I-F-E-S-I-T-E-N-E-W-S.com, because we're actually banned. We're banned twice from YouTube so far, from Twitter for a long time till Elon took over, and, and also largely on Facebook and even Google. Google won't show you it. So go direct to lifesitenews.com, about 20 to 30 stories a day, every single day. An incredible sight. I go there first thing in the morning every day. John Henry Weston, thank you so much for your leadership, your great journalism. Great to be with you, Steve. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks. Let's go to Rome and our own Ben Harnwell. Ben, uh, first, this is where you and I started off our journey together about these types of topics. Give me your perspective before we get into the more mundane Ukraine war farmers. (laughs) We'll go from the sublime to the less sublime. Good, uh, good afternoon, Steve. Yeah, well, look, the Catholic, I don't like saying what I'm going to have to say now because I don't want to scandalize our great evangelical brethren um, who, uh, who, who watch this show. Um, because I don't like washing the Catholic Church's dirty laundry, um, right, in public. But the truth is this, the Catholic Church has been what is called the Catholic Church. Many people say it's not actually the true uh, Church of Jesus Christ, um, founded by Christ, um, what is considered to be popularly the Catholic Church, has been the institution, that is to say, has been in meltdown 
since the mid-60s and the Second Vatican Council. This is the, the sordid truth. Uh, for the last, basically, six decades, we have had, we Catholics have had a make-it-up-as-you-go-along religion. And it's been happening year by year, decade by decade, and this is, is now just the end product of this. Um, but if you are, basically, without going into, into inside baseball here, but if you are a Novus Ordo Catholic, um, this is what you signed up for, right, folks? If you are just an ordinary standard, you go to Mass, your regular parish Mass on Sunday, this is exactly what you signed up for. If you accept unquestioningly all of the, all of the, 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 the popes at the Catholic Church since 1958, since Pope Pius XII, um, have proposed as popes, and they've been changing the post, but they've been basically boiling the water with the frogs in it for the last 60 years, then you're going to end up with this situation. And as John Henry said, even if, uh, quoting St. Paul, even if you had an angel of light with a new gospel, this is, you know, Francis is not even dressed up as an, as, a, as an angel of light, right? You know, often on, on, I get people commenting on my getter feed saying, uh, you know, he's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I have the same response. I've had the same response for three years since I've been on Getter. He's not a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a wolf in wolf's clothing. He's exactly, right, he's exactly what you, what, 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 you know, there, there are no subtleties here. He's a globalist, possibly, I think, atheist, a man who deeply hates the traditional Catholic faith. Only, probably, probably anything he hates more than the traditional Catholic faith are traditional Catholics. Um, there's no pretense that he's, he sees his job as safeguarding the unchanging faith as it's come down to us from the apostles. He's been trying to, to, to change it every single moment. And look at who his ally, allies are, Steve. They're just the global, they, they, they are our sociopathic overlords, the globalists. In fact, on, on, on Getter, I call him the, um, the honorary chaplain of the New, New World Order because that's what he sees his role as. It's certainly not as the successor of St. Peter. I don't recognise him as Pope. Um, but if you do, perhaps it's a moment to take a quiet reflection and say, look, look, this is not what I had signed up for. It's not what my family has signed up for. I want to be a fervent, believing Catholic, believing the Catholic uh, Christian faith. Um, and then look around. There's a whole wealth of information out there on the Internet. Right. It, the answers are pretty much there if, if you have the courage to follow them. Um, and then in prayer and in discernment. Uh, try and try and work out uh, the, the path forward. But if you blindly accept this man, who I, I say is a wolf in wolf's clothing, if you blindly accept him as this, uh, basically the lazy option, say, okay, look, he's the Pope, I'm just going to accept whatever he does. Well, okay, this is, look, look around you. This is what you have signed up for. I don't recognise it. I don't accept it. And I'm trying my best to hold to the traditional Catholic faith. And by the way, just going back to the evangelical point here, I find myself with affinity to, to believe in conservative evangelicals, I see in them far more of a, of, of a fraternal affinity than I have with 99% of so-called pseudo-Catholics, Steve. Uh, before we pivot to another topic, you said you don't accept him as your Pope. What, do, we, no. do we have an option? <laughs> well, this, this is really uh, the question for perhaps a, a Saturday afternoon deep dive. Look, formally, look, I can't tell you because I can't. I don't have any position of authority here in the Catholic Church to offer pastoral guidance. I tell you what, I have not accepted him as Pope definitively um, since he said that Jesus three years ago. He said that Jesus Christ in his earthly life wasn't divine. 
Um, that is as flat. I mean, that's not even. I mean, it's not even heresy, right? Because all branches of Christians believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. That is what. That is the most essential, fundamental point of being a Christian: that you believe that Jesus Christ is God. This man who calls himself Pope, is recognised as Pope, doesn't believe it, and he justified it. He said that uh, the, the fact that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed to the Father uh, that the that the that the, that the um, that the chalice be passed from him, and not as I will, though Father, as, as you are. He said that was evidence that he wasn't that he wasn't a divine being. But I mean, the guy. I mean, I don't know if he's ignorant or acting in bad faith or if he's incompetent. He doesn't seem to know that basically the elements of 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 things like the hypostatic union that the the Catholic Church. This is before the Reformation. So I said the Catholic Church when there was only one church. Uh, the Catholic Church worked worked these things out in sort of the third, fourth. Fifth centuries, centuries, and what we have now is is is, the, is basically the product of those ecumenical councils. He's ignorant. I don't know. If he, I, I don't know. As I said, I don't know if he's just incompetent, if he's acting in bad faith. I think he's acting in bad faith. Um, it's not possible that someone can reach the, the, those heights of, of of the ecclesiastical chain and be ignorant of these things. So when he says this, yeah. I I seem he's acting in bad faith. But from that moment forth, I do not recognise him, Steve. I do not recognise him, and let, therefore let me, I am not bothered, not yep. bothered by these by these doctrinal changes and these pastoral changes, because I just ignore him. Uh, people should know when I met Ben, and we've been working together. I don't know for about a decade. This was his this was his line of work, and it's one of the most brilliant guys I know, and a convert to Catholicism, I might add. Uh, ben, I I, I want to hold the farmers and everything else we got right wing. I just got enough time to give us an update because this is now becoming central because of this fight over the budget and over the supplemental about Ukraine, because that's the centerpiece. Just get our audience up to date on what I call the soft military coup. Zelensky now, over the weekend, has changed it that he might get rid of a whole slew of senior officials to try to cover uh, the bad news that, that his military chief is revered. Victoria Newland looked like she went over to kind of salvage things. What's an update? Well, Steve, there is no update. This is, this is the great astonishing thing here, that this CNN led the world's media uh, towards the close of last week, um, scooping their, 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 their special sources, which had assured them that CNN, that is, the Ukrainians had assured CNN that um, Zelensky would be gone by Friday. Um, and he's not gone. Um, so I, I don't trust those. Look, there's, there's no, there's basically no update on this. We were promised from an hour by hour that, that this was all in motion, um, and this is, I think, the astonishing thing that uh, that everything has been frozen. And I think this shows a tremendous weakness. Um, the longer this goes on, unresolved, it shows uh, President Zelensky and and a weaker and weaker position. Even, for example, Newsweek. I'll just read out this headline here because I think it's perfectly illustrative. Zelensky in a bind over top commander's future. That's really the situation that the world's media is starting to pick up on, that, that, that what was supposed to be a power move on behalf of Zelensky to assert his authority is just um, an astonishing display of weakness. Now, talking about the press, the Washington Post, look, Steve, when this, when this thing broke, you might remember I came on, it was live, um, 11 p.m. Rome time, I came on the show, um, with, with this latest news that, that, that there's, there's something going on um, in Ukraine. And we said, what did we say, Steve? We said, the astonishing thing here is that it appears that America and the UK haven't been consulted. This was confirmed uh, 
uh, later on by the, by the Times, amongst others, saying that, that his Western allies hadn't been consulted. And in fact, Zelensky had been fired for a few hours on, on Monday. And while Zelensky was speaking to two generals to see if they would take his place, that's when the UK and the US, from reading this from social media, came into play and put pressure on Zelensky to back down. OK, now, so we said, what did, what did we say on the war room, Steve? What was our hot take on the war room? We said that this is very damaging for President Biden, who's supposed to be a stalwart ally of this regime, not even to have been consulted. Those words, Steve, um, and we were the only organisation, I think, to, to, to make that particular observation, that that insight must have stung because the Washington Post over the weekend came out with this astonishing article saying, no, 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 the, uh, the, the, the US had been, um, had been uh, consulted and said that it didn't have any, um, any obje objections to make. Steve, this is frankly, flatly, you can just reject this out of hand. It's not true and it can't possibly be true. Here's why. Here's how you know this can't be true. Because the whole of the past week, Steve, the world's media was wondering whether there's a military coup about to take place in, uh, in Kiev, in, in, in Ukraine. And the Biden administration didn't say a single word. It would have been the easiest thing for them to have done to come out and say, we've been consulted on this. We've said to Zelensky, do what you need to do. We'll support you, whatever. That would have quelled a lot of tension and a lot of um, instability in Ukraine and, and the surrounding area. The White House didn't say anything because the truth is it had no idea what was going on like the rest of us. That's why Victoria Newland flew on her emergency uh, visit to Kiev. That was You can see, Steve, you pointed out at the time how hastily that supposed press conference had been thrown together. Um, that's basically the embassy picks up the phone and says she's landing in half an hour, get everything ready. That's how much preparation they had. That's because the, the State Department did not know what was going on. So when the Washington Post comes out and, and cites um, an, administration, an administration source saying, no, no, the, the, the US was consulted, that shows how, how, how seriously they take us. The very opposite is the truth. Um, the US isn't taken remotely seriously by Zelensky. Um, and I think, as a number of other uh, sources in the media had suggested, Zelensky is going to own whatever happens now. He's going to own the consequences of, of whatever happens now. The, you have two things. Number one, the, the military chief, they put the burden on him on the 500,000 new recruits. They can't fight. There's no spring offensive unless they restock this army because uh, they've taken such huge casualties on essentially defending you know, what they've got. The really spring offensive is just throwing bodies uh, in, in, into a charnel house for nothing. He's being blamed for that, but he's telling them, hey, we can't press gang that many people. It's just not going to work, and Zelensky doesn't want to hear it. At the same time, you have on Capitol Hill, there's going to be a huge fight over this Ukraine money. Biden's put no plan together. What's next year? What's the following year? But you can't put money into a sink. Even people that support this Ukrainian cause, don't you believe they have to realize that this is a government that's coming apart? I mean, Zelensky over the weekend said, well, it's not just the military commander. I may replace four or five other senior people. Uh, it is a government that's coming, uh, that's that's spinning out of control and coming unwound. The, the last thing, you, the last thing the United States needs to do is put sixty billion dollars. And people are lying about the European deal. It's not fifty billion uh, euros. It's it's twenty four billion euros over two years. So it's basically a twelve billion dollar for the first year, twelve billion for the second, and then they have an option which they'll never agree to. So the funding sources are drying up. And here in the United States, a big part of this debate is going to be. 
what's happening in Kiev because it seems like it's uh, it's coming unwound, sir. See that that analysis is, is, is spot on, um, and I, all I can do is repeat what we said on the war room last week. Another factor that must be in play here, and it seems to be absent from the Senate's uh, discussion on this in, in presenting the, its final draft bill on this. Who, whom is the United States going to be giving this money to? If, if they were in a situation where the, the civilian government's future is in jeopardy and there might be a coup, and this is every possibility that this could be the case, and we now have, we will have a, a, a military junta um, running Ukraine, a dictatorship. How on earth now, how on earth can the Biden administration say we're in this to defend democracy when the Ukrainian government will have uh, be a military uh, government overthrowing, ha having overthrown the civilian government. And this year, there's a, a presidential election where Putin is standing for re-election in a perfectly, well, I won't say it's perfectly uh, regular, but it is at least a, an, an election. Um, how on earth do we then, how does the West, the allies in the West, still maintain that we're in this to, pre to preserve um, democracy? That, that argument has been increasingly threadbare, Steve, for the last two years, thanks largely to Zelensky's own manoeuvres in Ukraine. So this is a question that the United States Congress must work out before it gives us another single red cent to, um, to Ukraine. And I hope, you know, hopefully it, doesn't give, it won't give another penny at all. But it needs to find out. It needs to be sure that there is a civilian government in Ukraine because it cannot be funding a military dictatorship. Uh, real quickly, where do people go to get all your great updates on uh, Getter? Thank you so much, Steve. Simply my surname, uh, at Harnwell on Getter. It's my social media platform of choice. Incredible what you're doing over there. Thank you so much, for, sir. Appreciate it. Thank, um, thank you so much. That's spot on. Remember, go to go to Getter, and it's a free app. Download it. I'm putting stuff up there all the time. The entire staff or, or everybody the producers uh, grace mo everybody's putting in stuff non-stop so go download getter it's a social media platform of choice of the war room also you see the chaos that's coming at capitol hill we've uh, talked about all day today that turbulence is only going to get into capital markets even more this is why you need to think about a hedge against times of turbulence both financial geopolitical and cultural what you should do is go to birchgold.com slash Bannon right now. Talk to Philip Patrick and the team. Have them walk you through why for 5,000 years of man's recorded history, gold has been a hedge for tough times. Because tough times are ahead of us. You know that. I know that. And quite frankly, the bad guys know that. Birchgold.com slash Bannon. Talk to Philip Patrick and the team about precious metals, how it can protect your family and yourself. Birchgold.com. Short break. Back in a moment. True or false, using your tax refund to pay off credit card debt is a smart thing. Actually, that's false. Donewithdebt.com published a brilliant strategy designed to let you keep your hard-earned tax refund and reduce or eliminate credit card debt. Most Americans owe thousands in credit card debt. In fact, Daily Mail's got a story that 56 million Americans carry credit card debt, and that debt will take years to pay off if you pay it off at all. Done with Debt found that filing bankruptcy is usually not the answer, and taking out loans to pay off credit cards usually increases the debt. 
When you engage Done With Debt, their legal experts and skilled negotiators take on the credit card companies for you. Their winning strategies are designed with one goal. Solve your debt situation quickly and permanently. First things first, chat with a Done With Debt strategist and explore your solutions. Some debt fighting strategies are time sensitive, so you'll need to move quickly. For a free consultation, visit donewithdebt.com. That's donewithdebt.com. Do it today. Take action. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to, but without funding the left. If you're sick and tired of the globalist leftist takeover of America's corporations, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon TV. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon TV and support a company that actually believes in America. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching incredibly easy. Keep your number. Keep your phone or upgrade. Just go to PatriotMobile.com slash TV or call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. And get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon TV or call 972-PATRIOT. Remember, take action, use your agency. Action, action, action. True or false? Using your tax refund to pay off credit card debt is a smart thing. Actually, that's false. DoneWithDebt.com published a brilliant strategy designed to let you keep your hard-earned tax refund and reduce or eliminate credit card debt. Most Americans owe thousands in credit card debt. In fact, Daily Mail's got a story that 56 million Americans carry credit card debt, and that debt will take years to pay off, if you pay it off at all. Done With Debt found that filing bankruptcy is usually not the answer, and taking out loans to pay off credit cards usually increases the debt. When you engage Done With Debt, their legal experts and skilled negotiators take on the credit card companies for you. Their winning strategies are designed with one goal. Solve your debt situation quickly and permanently. First things first, chat with a Done With Debt strategist and explore your solutions. Some debt fighting strategies are time sensitive, so you'll need to move quickly. For a free consultation, visit DoneWithDebt.com. That's DoneWithDebt.com. Com. Do it today. Take action. Senator, we try to under, understand the, uh, the feedback and, and how people feel about the services. We can improve. Wait a minute. Them. Your, own, your are... own study says that you make life worse for one in three teenage girls. That's... For years, you've been coming in public and testifying under oath that there's absolutely no link. Your product is wonderful. The science is nascent. Full speed ahead, while internally you know full well your product is a disaster for teenagers. Senator. My question is, who did you fire for this? Senator, we study all of this because it's important and we want to improve our service. Well, you just told and me a second ago you studied it, that there was no linkage. Fire. Senator, this is why we're building all who these tools. Who did you fire? Tools. Senator, that's, I don't think that that's... Who did you fire? 
uh, I'm not going to answer that. Because um, <laughs> I mean, you didn't is... fire anybody, right? You didn't take so any there, significant I, I action. It's hey, everyone. Today, I'm bringing Meta's two AI research efforts closer together to support our long-term goals of building general intelligence, open sourcing it responsibly, and making it available and useful to everyone in all of our daily lives. People are also going to need new devices for AI, and this brings together AI and the metaverse. Because over time, I think a lot of us are going to talk to AIs frequently throughout the day. And I think a lot of us are going to do that using glasses. Because glasses are the ideal form factor for letting an AI see what you see and hear what you hear, so it's always available to help out. I am live streaming from my Meta Ray-Ban glasses. Uh, this is a first for us, so this should be fun. So these are the Meta Smart Glasses, Meta Stories, Facebook glasses, I suppose. And um, they capture video, they capture cameras. It's really cool. You don't have to bring out your phone. Will Dawn's Apple Vision Pro. When you put on Apple Vision Pro, what you see is your space and everything in it. Oh, wow. Another way, a physical, digital, hybrid form of computing. So that the type of inputs that you put into the hardware, which are either self-contained virtual reality headsets, augmented reality goggles, or your phone, or new types of wearables, the, these all have input from your environment that is necessary to calibrate the devices, and you have body-based data that you give back to the devices. So it makes it feel real to your body and your cognition in a way that flat screen computing just doesn't. Okay, welcome. Joe Allen joins us, our editor for All Things Transhumanism. Joe, you were at CES. You kind of saw the products of the future, what they were pushing. Next thing you know, we have this really monumental hearing that didn't get enough attention, I think, from the, uh, the leaders of all the social media companies that got ripped apart by the uh by the senate at least in the questioning now you've got everything people are coming out the facebook uh, the day after that hearing he announced a dividend was going to be paid his net worth personal wealth increased 28 billion dollars plus he gave himself a 700 million almost a billion dollar dividend payment uh zuckerberg's uh increased in his personal net worth 28 billion dollars after that hearing where holly embarrassed him to apologize to the parents of kids that have been destroyed. Where are we on this? Are, are the social media companies now emboldened just to continue to shape the future and particularly shape the future for our uh, most vulnerable generation? Yes, Steve, the bad news is yes. Uh, that's exactly what seems to be happening. Uh, investors clearly saw Mark Zuckerberg uh, flip-flopping and floundering and unable to give any kind of answer that indicated he has a conscience or even, uh, you know, dim awareness of what it's like to be human. And investors saw that. And I suppose uh, Wall Street loves a sociopath. Wall Street loves a predator. So uh, there you have it. Uh, the companies are going full steam ahead. That's uh, all of them. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google with their products. Not a single one is giving indi any indication that their quest to accelerate the development of artificial general intelligence and uh, a wide array of uh, artificial narrow intelligences, uh, the metaverse project that came to attention because of Zuckerberg, but of course preceded uh, Mark Zuckerberg by decades and is much broader than anything happening at Meta, even if Meta is trying to stake a claim on it. But you saw uh, there his pitch 
to the public that uh, artificial general intelligence will be a primary project going forward for Meta, that it will be open sourced, meaning that uh, the, the code itself will be available to others for their use or improvement or correction. People who are, uh, let's say, on the doomer end of the spectrum with AI are horrified because that means that uh, you know even a small-scale outfit could develop a potentially dangerous AI or AGI due to the kind of open nature of what's uh, proposed anyway at Meta. But yeah, all, all in all, Steve, what I am seeing here is the race to develop AI, the race to uh, actually flesh out a metaverse that people uh, want to spend significant amounts of time in. Of course, Elon Musk on top of that, the race to create a direct brain-computer interface, which if you think that people wearing goggles looks goofy and horrific, uh, imagine people with chips in their brains. And then on down the line, uh, and, and this is in direct competition, of course, too, with China, that's how it's framed, and uh, the Biden administration is trying to forge partnerships with China. Open AI held secret diplomatic meetings at the, around the time of Davos with uh, their Chinese counterparts to try to craft a way forward to work uh, together safely, they say, for AI. So uh, I see this as both a national and a kind of consumer uh, issue. Do you let your kids uh, on social media? Do you let your kids immerse themselves in the metaverse? I would say that is a, a really bad idea. Uh, but the government, uh, despite what we saw from Holly and others, the government, I don't think, is going to step in and save anybody from any of this, not anytime soon. And so it really is at no. the moment in, well, it's, in it's our not, hands. It's not, it's, not, it's not because it's going to be so the Luddites got to take over because right now you see the power and the lobbyists and all that real quickly because I've got to bounce. The story in the, in the Daily Mail about metaverse is like a cesspool of perversion and degeneracy. Just give me a minute on that. And is, is Zuckerberg aware of that? And if he's, if he's aware of it, why are, why are not civil and criminal charges being filed here? Yeah, this has been an issue from the beginning. Uh, there were stories going back a year and a half, two years, and it's uh, been you know, reiterated again. Daily Mail went into the metaverse, so to speak, to see what uh, was going on. It, it, they found you know, young children being groomed. They found uh, simulated gang rape, people being sexually assaulted. This is not new, and it, that's not to dismiss it at all. It's just to say it's kind of endemic. Uh, perverts go online because the anonymity shields them from any kind of consequences. The virtual reality worlds are no different. Perhaps even the enticements are, are, are more uh, prevalent or more intense because of the 3D nature. I don't know. But yes, this is uh, going to be a huge problem. It's, it's a big question, again, for parents as they go forward. Is this the way that you want to mold your child's mind? Even minus all the perversion, I think it's a bad idea, but in this, the same fashion as you have with the internet or any other sort of online forum, uh, there's always the potential for uh, you know predatory adults to groom your kids. I think that all in all, this shows you know, Zuckerberg is absolutely aware of it, just as he was aware of the uh, various child trafficking pro uh, 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 organizations yeah. operating on Facebook. So uh, these people, I don't think, have any concern whatsoever about public safety. They want to accelerate their technology and they want to increase their profits. Uh, anything else seems to be incidental. Dark Aeon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity is the book from Joe Allen. It is compulsively 
readable. You won't put it down. It explains everything to you, the conversions, what we call the singularity. Uh, Joe, social media, where do people get your writings? You can find everything at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z, Gitter and X. Uh, also, warroom.org under the transhumanism tab. Thank you very much, Steve. Joe Allen, great work. Now in our continuing coverage of Black History Month, the other day we had Mark Paoletta in this great book and movie about Justice Thomas. It's really Justice Thomas's court. He's one of the greatest Americans of the 20th century and now the 21st century. We have Dr. John Sibley Butler and, of course, our own Raynard Jackson join us. Dr. Butler, I want to start with you. We began the show, we were talking about this schism that's happening in the Catholic Church about traditional teachings. It turns out the African bishops are coming forward and are really the backbone of the traditional and conservative Catholics. And I mentioned a couple of years ago, we had the exact same issue in the Anglican Communion in the, in the Global Episcopal Church that in the United States, they were looking towards conservative Episcopalians and Anglicans were looking for towards the conservative bishops in Africa to really be the backbone. Is, is this because, is the traditional black family actually more conservative than the average American or even the average family in England, sir? I think you're exactly right. So if you look at my book, if I can say that entrepreneurship and self-help among black Americans, and look at the importance of religion. And I've always said that, uh, that black Americans are certainly, when you look at the ideas of some of the most conservative people in the world, conservative in the terms of education, education of the children. And that's been so since the late 1800s. So you have these enclaves of, of Methodist churches, uh, of private private uh, uh, black colleges that have educated their kids for generations and generations. So I would say that when everything is done and all of the ideas are done, that the most conservative people in America are black Americans. When it comes to that portion that looks at the relationship between religion and future generation, that portion that looks at the relationship between religion, entrepreneurship, and future generations. That is no doubt, that's, that is what my work has shown uh, over the years. So coming to Black America is a, um, is a good thing. The question is, will Black America show their, their conservatism uh, when it comes to the relationship between religious ideas and the future for your children? Dr. Uh, Butler, then everything that's happened in the last couple of years, this craziness and insanity on transgender, on, uh, on the... Uh, on all these, uh, you know, the what they're doing in the schools, what's the pornography that's put in libraries, this radical LGBTQ. If the black family is so uh, conservative, the onslaught against the black family is relentless, particularly in the public school system. What's, what's going to happen here? Are black Americans going to step up and say, hey, we've had enough of this? Well, absolutely. You have, you have really kind of two black Americans, as, as Bob Wilson like to say. We have the black poor and we have the traditional, the, the traditional educated Americans. I'm proud to say I'm a fourth generation college graduate. And, and so I'm in that tradition. I think the assault comes from those individuals who have been left out of that traditional kind of, uh, of what I call black ex excellence. So I think that the assault on the black family is the assault on poor, the poor black family. And then if you look at the convergence of the two, then there's no difference. So Raynard Jackson used to, would always ask me, but well, Dr. Butler, why are we talking to this portion of the black community when it comes to the idea of, 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 uh, of conservatism or moving things ahead? So Steve, you have to, you have to look at the history. Uh, and uh, I'm a black Southerner, proud black Southerner from Louisiana. I had everything uh, 
growing up uh, in the 1950s and the 1960s. And I think that is very, very important to make that distinction. Now, the question is, when would that element of Black Americans step up and say, look, we know what the problem is. So we have been educating people for generations and generations. And the assault on the, on the Black family has to be an interaction between, hey, history and where we're now. Steve, we know how to solve all of these problems. Okay? So when I go, when I go to a, a graduation at Dillard University and, 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 and they ask all of the graduates to stand up and, and they're 100 years old, we know how to solve this issue. So I think that um, um, the question is, when, when will people come out and say, look, here's the deal. The Black the civil rights movement had been hijacked by by white groups, I called I called the uh, the alphabet groups and, and other white groups hijacking the civil rights movement. Okay, it's hijacked in a sense. For example, I'm a professor at the University of Texas at Austin. We have always had white gays there. We have always had whites who didn't know where to go to the bathroom there. We have always had all of these so-called white minority groups. They have never been denied. So what they did, Steve, they went from equal opportunity to how many, right? To how do you feel? Uh, who's, who's offended, right? So, so what you gotta do is I think that the, 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 uh, the black population has to separate itself and everybody should stand on their own history. Uh, and, and to me, a white gay is just a white guy, a, a white uh, lesbian is just a white woman because Steve, I'm a southerner. And Steve, if you went to the white bathroom, in the old days, then you're white. That's the way I look at the world. But to get back to your major point, the big thing is people have got to step up and say, look, here's the deal. To get America moving forward, okay? Get rid of the dependency. Go back to Raynard Jackson what, and what Bob Woodson has been talking about in myself, in entrepreneurship and self-help among Black America, and understand that the solutions going forward has already been done by the Black population. There's nothing new. So you got to get off this idea of calling people racist. It does absolutely nothing. You know, uh, I debated David Duke at LSU. And uh, the only thing I asked him for was a contract to make the sheets for the Klan. Now, I don't want you hurting me, but I want the contract to make the sheets for the Klan. I don't care what you think. This is America. I did not go to Vietnam to get a bronze star for combat and valor for somebody to tell me how I can think and what I can do. Okay. So going forward, I'm saying Sir, is that yeah. the solutions are already there. Yes. <laughs> let, let me ask you, I want to talk about DEI. You know, my daughter's a West Point grad with the 101st Airborne. Uh, she's very disturbed what's going on. Her beloved Army, I know you were a combat helicopter pilot in Vietnam. This DEI that's in the military, it's been one of the great institutions for the advancement of patriotic uh, black Americans. Do you see a crisis in the military right now among other institutions? where they're actually losing well, contact with conservative blacks about what should happen? Well, DEI is a, is a problem anywhere. I wrote an article in the Dallas Morning News in Tyler, how DEI is killing black professors like me. John Butler, Dallas Morning News. And Steve, here's the deal. The purpose of the military is to defend the country. Even when you go back historically, we fought World War, we, we fought World War, you know, world the Civil War with, with ex-slaves. We fought World War One with Italian immigrants, right? And all of the equality stuff is an is a byproduct of defending the country. You do not go into the military and adopt this stuff that we have in the civilian stuff called DEI 
which there's no really definition of. Now, if the definition of is for you to like everybody, well, you know, if you play golf, you're my friend. If you play guitar, you're my friend. You know, and if you like to solve problems, you're my friend. But the military itself has got to maintain its traditional role of defending America. And what and the great thing about the military is this. Everybody who has a job, as I did a book with Charles Masters, All That We Can Be, uh, that was the uh, best book for the Washington Post. I mean, and uh, uh, and so think about the military. If you have a job in the military, you've been trained. If you're a cook, you've been to cooking school. If you're a helicopter guy, you, you've been to helicopter school, right? And if you look at all of that and you say, what's the military for? It is to defend the country, right? And the thing about the military is that the social integration to, should take care of all of the DEI. And I was on the chopper, not flying the chopper, by the way. So I think I think it's important for us to understand this going forward. We have to understand that the purpose of the military is to defend the country and not to solve all of the social ills. Solving the social ills is a byproduct of defending the country. Blacks fought in the Civil War as a byproduct to defend the country, and, and they got paid. World War II, they got paid. So my point is that we cannot let the military go down this DEI road, right, where there's no definition of it, except you get, you get weaker. You need a strong military, a kick-butt military. If you mess with me, I'm coming after you. And we should not be spending time. This is not equal opportunity. DEI is different. It's, oh, are you offended uh, by, by, by the way I act? You got to get rid of all of that and have strong people in the military. And I think the all-volunteer force has done a great job with, with what it, it has. But, but the world is coming up, as, as Charles Boskus, my professor at Northwestern, would say, we have to have a very, very strong military. And DEI does not get us there. Uh, back in the day, Doctor, Steve, let me just say this real fast. Yes, back in the day, we were doing yep. we were doing equal opportunity and race relations, and we went to the uh, army and said, "Well, we're going to have all of these classes." We went to the Marine Corps, and the general said, "This is what we do: we take we take a black soldier and a white soldier, and put them and let them low crawl underneath wire barbed wire for a mile. When and when they come out, they love each other. So the point is, if you do the things that the military has always done." then you don't need all yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. Dr. Butler, where do people get your books? Where do they get your writings? What's the website, social media, all of it? Well, you can do the, uh, the, the Amazon is John Sibley Butler. I've got lots of books. And the ones that's prevalent here is Entrepreneurship and Self-Help Among Black Americans, A Reconstruction of Race and Economics. And I compare entrepreneur groups. Uh, with with Black Americans, argue that Black Americans, Southern Blacks did a, did a great job in creating their own their own institutions, and those kind of things. And the other one is all that we can be with Charles Boskus about the military stuff that I've talked about. Then I have one on technology transfer. If you want to go to the technology route, because uh, I'm considered one of the uh, founders of Austin, Texas, in the tech in the tech field. Yeah. Uh, so we did a great job with Austin, Texas, Steve. And it's it good to talk to you again. We talked earlier about uh, bringing uh, manufacturing yeah. uh, back to America. I was a professor in China, yeah. but we talked earlier about that before. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Dr. Butler, yeah. honored to have you on here. Rainer Jackson, thank you for setting it up. This is a whole series going to be doing in the month of February, talking to black entrepreneurs, historians, all of it uh, for our uh, commemoration of Black History Month. Okay. Uh, Lou Dobbs follows us next 
We're back here at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be on fire about the impeachment of Mayorkas, this uh, bill that's going to destroy America, the invasion authorization bill, the RNC, all of it. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. in the war room. I want to warn you of a huge change that could be coming to our money and our bank accounts. First, think back to 9-11, shortly after the government pushed through the Patriot Act. This gave the government power to spy on innocent Americans by monitoring our phone and email and tracking our movement across the Internet. Now, Jim Rickards, editor of the independent financial newsletter Strategic Intelligence and New York Times bestselling author, is warning about a coming event that could elevate this governmental surveillance to a terrifying new level. In fact, some of the guests I've had on The War Room believe that the government will soon expand their powers to track our every move. If we say the wrong things on social media, donate to the wrong causes, buy firearms, or even vote MAGA, the government may be able to shut us out of our bank accounts. I can't say for sure if this will happen, but it's an interesting in dire warning. Fortunately, Jim Rickards, an American patriot and friend of mine, has made it his mission to educate us on what he believes is coming and how to protect yourself from the possibility of programmable money. Watch Jim's warning video now before it's censored like I've been in the past. Go to RickardsWarRoom.com. That's RickardsWarRoom.com now to see the video. 60. If you want to take care of your heart, and those you care about, please go to WarRoomHealth.com. That's WarRoomHealth.com. All one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WarRoomHealth, all one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Go there today. You need, If you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.